Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. I want to read something to you this morning before I start. I'm going to give you a testimony that I am going to preach. I'm glad he played that song, We're Not in a Hurry, because been a while since I've preached, and I, I, I've got a lot to say. As believers, our response to the manifestation of the Holy Spirit might not be as brash as the example of Pentecost, but I think it's fair to say that many of us have shied away from the very things that occupy the majority of Jesus' earthly ministry, such as healing the sick, and especially the casting out of demons. I'll be the first person to admit that the thought of casting out a demon makes me extremely uncomfortable. But Jesus did it, and he commissioned his disciples to do the same through the Holy Spirit. So realistically, why shouldn't I believe he would want his modern-day church to embrace the spiritual authority he bestowed upon us? Let me skip down here. As I continue to watch the events at Asbury unfold, this, this phrase comes to the forefront of my mind. Just as Jesus presented himself very differently from the Messiah the Jews long expected, so too the Holy Spirit often surprises Christians in the way he manifests and works. He moves, his move might not always feel comfortable, at least from the outset, and he might touch people who we never imagined he would. But we must never try to put our infinite God in a box of our finite expectations. Now let me tell you what's so amazing about that. It's not that somebody would write that about the about the uh, Asbury revival. But I want you to look at my phone and see. You see what it says at the top? Fox News. I read that out of Fox News, a secular, secular news media, and they are declaring of casting out demons, healing the sick, and following after Jesus. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. You know, this Asbury Seminary, this same thing happened in 1970, right about the time I got saved. Let me tell you a testimony that happened. One of the one of the guys that was there left and he drove, and I think it was to the University of Texas. I might have the wrong school. But the Lord instructed him to walk into one of the classrooms. The professor was standing there, and he just walked in, didn't open his mouth. He walked up to the board, and he wrote on the board, Jesus is Lord. The whole room broke down. Not a word was spoken. The professor, every one of the students began to repent and weeping broke out. Amen. This is not an ordinary revival. It is a revival of repentance that has broken out. Now, I've been told that it's happening in seven, eight, ten different places. I don't have those confirmed, but I've heard that. I don't know about you, but I've been playing praying for an, uh, an awakening in this nation. Why not now? 
Why couldn't God use the spirit of repentance through the Holy Spirit to awaken his church, to awaken those that are lost, to awaken a whole generation? Why couldn't he use that to wake us up and let there be another great awakening? Amen? Amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. Give God praise. Amen. You can turn that off. I get in my holier-than-thou mood when I got that music going on behind me. I don't know. You know, it's like you're waiting for all this stuff to happen. I want to talk to you this morning about living a transformative life. I want you. To, I want to talk to you about how you can live differently. In order to do that, we're going to have to redefine some things that you've just taken for granted and some things that you've understood and that I've understood. And we've got to say, hey, Lord, I want to change the way I see things, the way I understand things, and the way I walk things out. Can I tell you, the American church has been predominantly about me. I'm just telling you the truth. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's how God can transform my life. What God can do for me. And so some of that thinking has got to be radically changed if we're going to live a life that really does count. I heard this, and I wish I could tell you who said it, but I don't, I don't remember. It said, the Son of God became a man so that man could become the sons of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus died so that you could become a son of God. Oh, come on, y'all don't get that. Son of God. I'm talking about extraordinary people. I'm talking about a people that are called out, set apart for the glory of the kingdom of God that have been said, my God, the one that created the heavens and the earth, has said, you are now part of my family. You are my God. I'm the one that's got you. You don't have to worry about what's happening in your life. You need to trust me. And I'm preaching to me too. Understand that. Look what he said in Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God. We are the sons of the Most High God. When God began to breathe into us and began to speak to us, He said, I no longer want you to walk like you were. You are a brand new creation. I want you to understand the power and the authority that I have released inside of you by calling you my son. And he said, I want to take it a step further, and I want you to understand you're not just natural-born sons, you're adopted sons. Now, we hear about adoption all the time. And how many of you know adoption today is very costly in America? Fifty to $70,000 to adopt a child in America. That's why so many of them are not adopted. But if we even have a policy in this country that if in the first three days you have a child, you don't want it, you can give it away. God said you're adopted. But understand in the terminology that when he talked about being adopted, what he said, I chose you. 
I chose you to be part of my family. And what you don't know is under the authority that he was preaching and teaching, what he was saying, what the apostle was saying here, he's saying, when God adopted you, he forfeited his right to get rid of you. Can I tell you that adopted children had more rights than natural born children did because the adopted children could not be cast away. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, I'm adopted. I'm chosen. I am chosen. So when we grab hold of this idea that we're chosen, that we're the sons of God, then as the son of God, I want to live a transformative life. Only problem is I've been sold the American dream, not the kingdom dream. The American dream is I want me a, a nice house, and I do. I want me a nice car. I want I want to be able to, to go on all the vacations I want to. I want to play golf as much as I want to do it. I want I want my life to be just I never want there to be a ripple in the tide. Can I tell you that's the American dream. That's the American dream. The only problem with the American dream is even those people that have obtained what they thought was the American dream isn't satisfying them. I read just the other day about a man, 50 years, 47 years old, he had accomplished about everything he wanted to accomplish, so he just blew his brains out. He was through. Because there wasn't anything else for him to accomplish in this life. Can I tell you, if you're a son of God, there's a lot to be accomplished because there's a lost and dying world that needs to meet the risen Savior. We as a church have been called to transform and to bring, bring renewed life and energy into the areas where we live. You know, we're, we are not followers of the Kardashians. We are followers of the fashionista Jesus Christ. We're going to lead a Christ-centric life. You know, instead of popping my photos up there, I need to be popping photos of Jesus. The only problem is he doesn't show up enough. I had to use copies. But he shows up right here and he talks to me. And what I ought to be doing is I ought to be telling people what Jesus is saying, not what I'm thinking. I, you know, instead of telling everybody about everything that's bad's happening, do you know when I open up Fox News, I read the highlights because I want to know how horrible everything is. So I read about all the rapes, the murders, the, the people that have been lying to us, how the Chinese are going to destroy us, how on and on and on and on the list of things go. And I go, oh my God, we're in a mess. The world's coming to an end. Your world may come to an end, but I belong to a kingdom that cannot be destroyed. My kingdom never will come to an end. Okay, and so I'm going to live not according to the economy of this world. I'm going to live in the economy of the kingdom. I'm not going to live according to the principles of this world. I'm going to live according to the principles of the kingdom. And until I can get out of my American standard thinking and get into kingdom thinking, then I am going to be bound and choked up. I will not live a transformative life. I will live a life that's choked down, moderated, and it just will not work. If you've ever... yeah. If you've ever shot skeet or trap or anything like that, you have certain shotguns and you put chokes on them. Anybody know what a choke is? It's, that choke will tighten the pattern of those, of those pellets when they come out of that shotgun. Well, that's what happens to too many Christians is we've been choked to death and we ain't got too many pellets coming out. We need scatter guns. 
We need sawed-off shotguns. Double barrel sawed-off shotguns that when we pull the trigger, the word of God is spread everywhere. It's spread everywhere. I, I was doing one of my things the other day, and I'll get on with my word here in a minute. I told you I ain't preaching in a while, so I won't tell some stories. I was doing my thing the other day, and I came up to the to the window, getting my Coca Cola, and, and I, I said, "Do you know Jesus loves you?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "You got a good relationship with him?" She said, and for some reason, I pointed my finger at her. I ain't never done that before. Pointed my finger at her, and I said. He wants you, girl. That means you better get close. Next thing I know, what's your order? She's asking somebody else. She's trying to ignore me. I smiled at her. I said, I don't care. Jesus loves you anyway. She kind of smiled and I went on. I said, mm-hmm. There's one, God. I got one. I got one on my radar now. You know, she's mine. Y'all don't get to harvest her. She's on my radar, Okay. I'm not going to tell you where she is because I get to get her. So then I went to Wendy's the other night and I'm telling the boy, I said, I said, do you know? I said, do you know that Jesus loves you? He looked at me. He said, well, yeah. I said, do you serve him? I need a couple of drinks up front. I said, would you like me to tell you about Jesus? He said, not really. I said, okay. I said, I don't, I just, let me just tell you, Jesus loves you and he's got a plan for your life and I'll be back. Bye. I'm going, God, that is, that is so cool. What's cool? There are people out there that don't know Jesus. They want to know him. They just don't know they want to know him. You talk about this Asbury Seminary. There's people that are so hungry from God. They're coming from thousands of miles away just to be in the presence of God. When God said, all you got to do is go sit down in your chair, invite his presence in, and he'll show up right where you are. And so what we got to do, though, is we got to stop all the activities that are going in our life and take that time to sit down and invite the Holy Spirit to come in and be with us. Because I don't want to live a life that's just an ordinary life. I want to have an extraordinary life. I had a young man ask me the other day, he said, what is the purpose in life? We live, we eat, we sleep, and we die. Somebody came up to you and asked you the question, what is your purpose for living? How would you answer that question? And if you put it under the terms of the American dream, i got to ask the same question. Is it just to get enough stuff together? But if I put it under kingdom name, you know what I told him? I said, I'll tell you what God put me here for. He sent me here to serve and to be a servant of the most high God and to love the people around me. And if I and if I can be if I can be efficient at that, I will live a successful life. Doesn't matter how much money I got in the bank, but it doesn't matter who I've loved. You see, the thing that that Pastor Herman started us off with this morning is so important because we put our mouth on a lot of people. The scripture said if you say, you call a person, you call them raka, idiot, you've killed them. He said it's the same as murder. So you don't understand how powerful your words are that go out. And God said, I want a transformative people. I want people whose mouths have been transformed.
I want their tongue to be transformed. I want their life to be transformed. I want them speaking life to the people that they're around. I want them speaking life to their family. I want you speaking life, Eddie, to your wife. I want you speaking life to your sons. I want you speaking life to your daughter-in-laws. I want you speaking life to your grandchildren. I want you speaking life to everybody you come in contact with. And as Pastor Herman said, if you can't speak life, keep your dumb mouth shut. You said it that way, didn't you? I think he did. That's what I heard. I don't know what y'all heard. That's what I heard. I heard just be quiet. Shut up. You see, what happens is the transformative life begins when we keep, when we quit settling for what people tell us we can have and take hold of that which Jesus says is rightfully ours. You see, I'm an heir with Christ Jesus. He told me straight up that I have a right to the things in the kingdom, that I am a chosen person, that I am a royal priest, that I have authority to loose and to bind, that I have authority to pray for the sick and see them healed. It's funny, that's what that's what Pastor Moncrief preached on yesterday. I didn't know he was going to preach on that. But he did that. He said, I've got this. I cannot settle for ordinary. I have to grab hold of extraordinary. But a lot of people are going to leave here today and you're going to do the same exact thing you did last Sunday and you're going to get to the next Sunday and you will have done the same thing all week long that you did the week before and the week before that and the week before that and the week before that. And you're going to wonder why you're not living a life that's transformative. It's because we're not listening to what the Holy Spirit is. We're settling for a mundane life. And we're not grabbing hold of the abundant life that we've been promised. I don't know about you. I don't want to settle for it anymore. I don't want to settle for what anybody says I can have. Here, you can have a little chip. No, thank you. John 10, 10 said, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. John Gill said, That may be rendered, and if they might have an abundance, besides life, might have an abundance of grace from Christ, all spiritual blessings in Him now, and all fullness of joy, glory, and happiness now and hereafter. Woo, how many of you got all the joy that you can stand? Why not? Told somebody yesterday I wanted the joy restored in my house. I want the joy restored in my house. And the Lord said, I said, Lord, how do I restore the joy? And he said, son, when you were a kid, don't you remember singing that song? Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Come on. We got to put on the garment of praise. We got to put on the spine. I got to rejoice. I got to look at the situations that are going on and say, God, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to rejoice because I am a son of the most high God. I have been clothed in the cloaks of righteousness. I walk in the grace of almighty God. I have an eternal destiny. I have a future. I have a reason to praise your name. Come on, give him praise. How are you going to transform somebody else's life until yours is transformed? Until you walk around being in joy. You know what they used to be saying about my daddy? That's the happiest man I ever saw in my life. You know why? Because he got up every morning and started thanking Jesus. And he was happy. Well, you know, and daddy never had a bad thing happen in his life. Oh, that's right. He lost a son when he was six years old. 
He lost his wife when he was 63 years old. He lost another wife when he was 72 years old. He lost another wife. He had a company stolen from him. Stolen. Took three quarters of a million dollars from him. We're talking about back in the early 60s, I mean late 60s, early 70s. Let me tell you what my daddy did. That man that took that got cancer. Not because he took the money. That's not what I'm saying. He got cancer. He moved to Dallas, Texas. He took the money, left state, went to Dallas, Texas. He called daddy and said, I got cancer. You know what my daddy did? No, he did pray for him. He said, I'll be there in three days. He said, Eddie, come on, we're catching the plane to Dallas, Texas. We're going to pray for this man. And we're going to pray until God heals him. We went twice. We went twice. He accepted the Lord the second time we were there to pray for him. You want to know why my daddy was happy? He had a reason to be happy. He had a reason to be joyful. He had a reason to love life. I can tell you lots of stories about him, but I don't want to talk about all that right now. I want us to understand, I heard Billy Humphrey make this statement. He said, reorient your life around Jesus. Luke 30, 27, Jesus is talking to them. They're asking him questions. The Pharisees, the religious people said, he said, but the dead are raised. Even Moses showed in the in, in passages about the bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Okay, so in the book, he's talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, how many of you believe they were dead? They weren't dead. You know how I know that? Because he said, now he is not God of the dead, but of the living for all live to him. Wow. Too many times in the church today, what we do is we say, See what this is? This is my moose club pen. See what this is? This is my Better Business Bureau pen. See what this is? That's my Christian cross. See what this, and it's just something that we add to what we're already doing. Jesus, I love you. I thank you that you're going to take me to heaven. And you're more than welcome to be in my circle of influence. What do you mean, circle of influence? Well, I got to listen to what everybody else says, and I got to, you know, I got to test the waters, and I got to know what Joe Blow has to say about things. I got to see what the newspaper says about things, and then I'll pray and ask you what to say, and then I'll weigh what you say against what everybody else says. Jesus, you can be part of my life. No, Jesus is saying, I want to be your life. You want to live a transformative life? You've got to change the dynamic. He is not a part of your life. You are a part of his life. And when you become a part of his life, things begin to transform. Things begin to change. Things begin to open up that you couldn't even imagine opening up before. But you've got to get into His life. 
Not just ask him to be in your life. We need to say, Lord, let me in. When he said, follow me, he said, drop everything else and come and follow me. Use me. Transform who you are. It's not good enough just to invite Jesus in. We've been sold a bill of goods. Oh, God, forgive me my sins. Thank you, Jesus. I accept you. You died on the cross. You went to heaven. Now I'm going to heaven. Now I can go live like hell. I got it covered. I even go to church every Sunday just to pay my tithes just to make sure that the premium's paid. Simon Peter, talking to Jesus, said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so we come to this idea that you know, we've prayed the little prayer and we show up at church on Sunday. Now don't just all of you get mad and stone me. But if you go by the title of non-denominational, you need to get saved. If you go by the title of Baptist, you need to get saved. If you go by the title of the Assembly of God, you need to get saved. If you go by the title of Catholic, you need to get saved. You see, we are not Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, non-denominational. We are followers of Christ. We are joint heirs. We are sons of the Most High God. And that's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we say we're going to church, I'm going to a Baptist church. Mm. Remind me of the story of the evangelist. He came into this little town and he, he couldn't find the church he was supposed to. And he said, uh, he went up to the gas attendant and he said, can you tell me where the church of God is? He said, well, he said, Brother Stone's got a church down here. He said, Brother Milton got a church over here. He said, and I can't remember, but I think his name is Adam. He's got a church over here. He said, God ain't got no church here. Has God got a church here? That's what I want to know. God got a church here? I want to show you something. Naomi, Rhonda, Leanne, come here. I want you to stand right here. Let's stand together, arm in arm right there. David, Daniel, Gary, don't y'all free to come stand over here. Now, y'all come stand over here on my left. Which side do the goats stand up? No, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> just teasing. I'm just teasing. All right, now, I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. I want y'all to say hello to the church. This is the church. 
this is the church. Two, two or more gathered, it's the church. Now, some people have this mistaken identity. They're going to come to the church because they're coming to a building. No, we're coming to fellowship as a church. We are the church. And I want you to know, you can take these three women right here. How many of you know they, could, they can move heaven and earth? They can. Individually, they can move heaven and earth. Put together, they can out-talk. No, I shouldn't say that. Put together, put together, and if they come into the unity of the Holy Spirit, you know they won't do three times as much. They'll do a thousand times as much. Same thing happens with these three men. Individually, they can only do so much. And let me tell you what, people say, I can go to the, I can go to the lake and, and, and be in church. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can have communion with God at the lake, but you're not in church. Church is the fellowship of people. You know, it's like, you see this rock right here? This rock right here, if I, if I get enough of these rocks and put them all together, I can build a road, can't I? But when I, when I decide I won't be by myself and go off and just do this myself and I say I'm a road, that looks pretty idiotic, doesn't it? How many of you don't want to drive on this road? How many of you think you could get your motorcycle on this road, much less your car? This is not a road. This is a rock. But when you put enough rock together and you put pavement over it, it becomes a road. When you put members of the body of Christ together and you put the Holy Spirit over them, they become the church. And so, to, come on, yeah, you can give God praise. If you're going to go to church, this is where you're going to go. This is the transformative power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Moncrief talked about yesterday the fact that he gave Jesus, he absolutely gave Jesus the Spirit without measure. But how many of you know that I only have a measure? Come here, Herman. We're going to let Herman be Jesus. Turn around. This is church behind him. Okay. What did Jesus say? He said, I'm the head. How many of you know the head has the spirit without measure? And so now watch what's going to happen. Now Jesus said, and I'll read it to you in a minute in the scripture. Jesus said, I'm going to give the spirit without measure and it will affect my entire body so that my body, not my rock, my body has the Holy Spirit without measure. Now listen, you two, y'all join together. Y'all join together. Everybody hold hands. It's all right. Everybody lock arms or join hands. Now I want you to know, God said male and female. He created them both and He created them to serve Him. And I want you to know there is a completeness. The church becomes complete when there is both male and female that is involved. And it lets the Holy Spirit lead them and guide them. And they're joined together for the purpose of transforming the life that's around about them. The church then becomes alive, transformative, and can shake heaven and earth. Does that make sense to you? Amen. Come on, give God praise. Y'all can be seated. I just wanted to, I just wanted you to see what the church looked like. Some of you think it's a building with a steeple on it. Of course, I have seen a few people in my time walk crosses big enough you could probably nail them to it, but never mind. 
To be transformative, you have to be, we have to function as one body consumed by the ideal of his kingdom come, his will be done. That is not just some lofty prayer that Jesus said for us to pray. There was an expectation of the fulfillment of that prayer through the church in the community. I read a book called The, the Desert Fathers. And about these, these monks that went away, I always thought they just hid themselves away in caves and prayed. But as I began to read the book, I realized they felt like if they didn't bring something transformative to the city that they were watching over, they had failed their mission. If this church doesn't bring change in this area, we have failed what God has called us to do. If you don't, if you don't bring a change in your area, in your community, you have failed what God has called you to do. Well, Eddie, Noah preached and nobody came. Let me tell you something. Noah transformed the whole earth because it rained for 40 days and 40 nights and he did exactly what God told him to do and there was transformation that took place on the planet. Your job is not to not get people saved. Your Your job is to be the transformative agent of change in the earth, being a vessel of the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? Have I been preaching too long? Listen to this. This was so fascinating to me. The word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which describes an entire assembly of individuals who are called out, called forth, and separated, and who therefore hold a position of honor and privilege. In Greek society, the ecclesia would get together. These were non-political people. And they would establish the culture of the entire nation. So when Jesus said that he called out his ecclesia, he said, I've got a group of people that I've called together to change the culture forever. I'm changing the culture forever. According to the Athenians, Ecclesia ruled in matters of law, business, society, customs, culture, and judicial matter. God expects the church to exert its spiritual influence in every arena of society in which it exists. The mere use of the word Ecclesia to depict the church emphatically tells us it was never God's intention for the church to be a small group of silent, unnoticed people who gather quietly and discuss religious affairs. The power-packed Greek word tells us God's original intention was the church was to exercise a voice of influence in both private and public life. We are to change our society. God loves where he lives. He loves the fact that you're his dwelling place. He wants you to be his dwelling place. But let me tell you something. When he says he's a jealous God, he wants it all. He wants every bit of you. Let's ask you a question. Then I am going to close. What level of commitment to God do you have? If you're brand new, you may be ankle deep. I don't care. That's good. Just don't stop. Because you see, when you stop going in and stop giving more, 
you start backing up and you start losing. And the tide that's begun begins to pull away. And the next thing you know, you're walking away from the body of Christ. And you're finding problems with it and everybody else. You're, you are absolutely, it's everybody else's fault. They got a problem. Why? Because you've not yielded yourself far enough. How yielded are you to the Holy Spirit? Read this last statement. We have become more consumed with what God can do rather than being consumed with knowing Him. That order's got to change. Our first priority is to know Him. He's made Himself available to us. Stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you to commit and recommit. I want you to go deeper. I want you to go deeper into who God is. I want you to go deeper into who Jesus is. I want you to go deeper into being the church. How about just lock arms for somebody right now? Just lock arms for somebody. I want you to do I don't want you to do it alone. And if you try and do it alone, you're, you're liable to drown. Well, I got weaknesses I don't want anybody to know about. You know what they call that? Pride. I, got, I don't want anybody to know I got problems. You know what they call that? Still call it pride. Well, I'm a strong person. I don't need any help. You know what they call that? Pride. Pride is the destroyer of people. Pride is the destroyer of the church. Pride is the destroyer of families. Pride is the destroyer of a nation. I ask you today to lay your pride down. I'm going to ask you to take a step. A, a literal step that says, I want to be more committed. God, take me deeper. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.